Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Good to be with you again, and we welcome those <clears throat> who are joining us by live stream today. Glad that you can be with us from wherever you are tuning in and watching. May the Lord bless you right in your household as we minister the Word of God today. If you have your Bibles and would like to follow along, uh, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture in the third chapter of the book of Acts and the first 10 verses. We're going to be reading a story about some of the disciples that have now experienced not only the departure of Jesus, but the coming of the Holy Spirit. And now it is a new day as they launch out to continue the ministry that the Lord has given them and as He instituted it, and the birth of the church has begun. So follow along as we read. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Note that at the time of prayer was a daily uh, ritual in their life as they went to the temple each day at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, and as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what has happened to him. The context of this story is that the disciples have experienced a great loss in the physical presence of Jesus. They had tarried in Jerusalem as they had been instructed. They were locked in fear in the upper room when the Holy Spirit descended upon them and told them not to fear. And they were all filled by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit to go forth from that room and be different people to make a difference in their world and continue the ministry that they had observed for three years. 
Not long after that, Peter stands up to preach one day, and he begins to share with them who Jesus of Nazareth really was, and that those who had crucified him had actually crucified the Messiah. And he began to preach with such conviction. Remember, this is the same man who had denied Jesus three times when a young teenage girl came to him after Jesus was arrested and said, you're one of the followers of the man of Nazareth, aren't you? And he cursed her and said no. Now this Peter rises to preach after being filled with the Holy Spirit, and on that day, 3,000 people came to become followers of Jesus Christ. Now they continue their journey and the new experience as they enter the temple to pray and to thank God for what He has done. What we need to know is that what Jesus did for Peter and John, He has also done for us. He has given us this precious gift called the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 11, you'll find that the promise is given... That if we, who sometimes make wrong decisions, have the ability to give to our children good gifts, how much more will our Heavenly Father give to those who ask the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit who lived in Jesus, operated in Jesus, who is the third aspect of the Trinity, now has been given to every man, every woman, every child who will receive Jesus Christ as Lord, you begin a journey with the Holy Spirit. And when you begin a journey with the Holy Spirit in your life, producing the fruit of that Spirit, you become a different person, and you see your world differently than you have ever seen it, and you can make a powerful difference in this world because of the indwelling Holy Spirit in your life. And so here's Peter and John, who have just experienced a few days earlier a magnificent experience when 3,000 people after a message came to Jesus, and now they're on their way to prayer. How would you operate if you had had such an experience that you stood before a group of people, you told them about Jesus, and suddenly the whole multitude bows their knee and says, I want to serve him. I want to be a follower of Jesus. You'd probably uh, start your nonprofit organization, get on TV, and uh, really get with it, wouldn't you? Look what Peter and John do. They're keeping the rituals of their life, the spiritual disciplines of their life. They're on their way to the temple. 3,000 people have come to Christ, but they're looking for one more soul. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, when He is governing your life, when He is leading you, you are always looking for one more soul. You can be a looker. I don't mean look good. I mean you can be one searching for one more soul for Jesus Christ. Look what it says in that verse 4. Peter looked straight at him. Straight at him. 
contact. And then he said to him, look at us. You know what one of the great needs in the life of every individual is? Attention. Everyone has the relational need, the intimate need of needing attention. From the day you were born till the day you leave, you need attention. Everyone in our world needs attention. And we walk by people every day wondering, who is that? What are they doing? What are they? Who are they? Etc. But how often do we give attention to the individuals that God gets, comes in our path? Peter and John were looking for one more. Now, notice the context here. Peter and John had gone every day to the temple to pray. Every day, the man lame from birth had been laid at the temple. That means Peter and John passed him every day. But on this day, they saw him differently when he cried for alms, as he always did, asked for money, as he always did. This day, they saw him different. What was the difference? They, being filled with the Holy Spirit, now see those in need through the eyes of Jesus. As an individual who is asking for help, and he needs help far beyond he can ever believe, they're looking at him differently than they've ever looked at him before. Through the eyes of the guidance and the wisdom and the insight of the Holy Spirit. And they see a man who needs Jesus. Amen? I told you a few weeks ago about the day that I went to stand in the building in San Antonio. During that time, as I stood in the lobby of that building, there was a moment, as I told you, that only people who needed, a, who needed uh, help with their insurance claims or needed a lawyer or needed a doctor came to that building. That means they needed help. I'm standing in the lobby. The, the door of the elevator opens, and a lady walks out, and she stops in the middle of the lobby, and she's sobbing with tears. My immediate thought in my mind is, why don't you go to her, ask her what her need is, but I didn't immediately move. She stood there for a few seconds, and then she went out the door, and as she went out the door, I felt overwhelmed. Go find her. I went out the door after her, and as I walked out the door after her, the street corner in which she entered was covered with people. And I looked in the crowd, and I could not find her. I looked around. I walked down a few ways to down the street this way and down the street this way. I could not find her. I walked back into the lobby, and the Lord spoke to my spirit. And in this passed this thought through my mind. You pass them every day, and you don't even see them. We pass people every day who know nothing about Jesus, who are headed for eternal destruction, who are desperate in their own lives, and often we don't even see them. We have to be looking for one more soul for Jesus, giving them the attention of human interaction and the testimony of faith, looking for one more. And then as you look at verse 6, you see this passage 
in verse 6. And move to that slide. <clears throat> then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. By the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to be a lover for a lost soul, to be able to give to them what they can get no other way, an introduction to Jesus Christ. You know what a lover is in the kingdom of God? It's a person that is concerned about the eternal destiny of one more person, one other individual who may have felt unloved, who may not feel loved at all, who may definitely might not know the love of Jesus Christ in their life. This man, he's asking for money. Why is he asking for money? Because he's crippled, he's lame, he can't work. He's trying to feed himself. But Peter and John realize in that moment he needs more than just another coin to be dropped in his basket. He needs to be loved. He needs to be cared for. He needs to know that there's someone that deeply loves him regardless of his position or situation in life. My friend, our world is in a desperate need for the love of Christ. And with the Spirit of God leading you, guiding you, you will know how to love another individual into the kingdom of God. May I say to you, no one will ever come into the kingdom of God without someone else first being inconvenienced. And it is inconvenience often to love another soul for the cause of Jesus Christ. It may take your time. It may take your effort. It may take your contact. It may take your interaction. It may take time. You did not know that you had to give. But that's what love is all about. I told you the story of young Matt Higgs and his wife Amy who lost their child, their second child on its first birthday a few weeks ago. And I told you that I entered into that hospital room not knowing Matt and Amy when they found out that their child had a, a tumor next to its heart. And over the next few months we would journey with them and then Little Izzy passed away on her first birthday. And I shared with you that at the end of that time, when I was in that hospital room with them on that day when the baby passed, that early morning hour of 1 a.m., Matt came over to me with his Bible open, and he said, Pastor, I want you to know where I stand. This is where I stand. Scripture says that we rejoice in our suffering. Because suffering produces character and uh, perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Yes. Months later, I was sitting with Matt at coffee one day. I said, Matt, I have a question to ask you. I said, I was astounded at your response at the moment of your child's passing. I said... Can you tell me? I said, that's not, a cha uh, that's not a response that most people would have in the moment of their child passing. Can you tell me, what is it that changed your perspective that you could in that moment receive the suffering as a journey of perseverance and character and hope? And he said, oh, I can tell you the exact moment it changed. I said, when was that? 
He said, it was the day you entered the hospital room. He said, I never felt love like that before. Now, Matt and I didn't know one another. I was just there to pray with them. But you know what? The Scripture says that when the Holy Spirit is in your life, it produces fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. You never know, as you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you, when you step into a room, when you step into a situation, you never know the fruit that's going to be displayed because you have allowed the Holy Spirit to have the governance of your life. And what needs to be displayed more than anything else is the love of God. The love of God. And when it comes from the Holy Spirit, not man-made or man-manufactured, but from the Holy Spirit, it communicates immediately with another soul, with another individual who is struggling in life and wondering, does anybody care? You only need to be filled with the Spirit to be a lover for one more soul. And then as you look at verse 7, says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles were made whole. You can be a lifter of people. Notice what it takes. Immediately taking him by the right hand. Uh, to that person next to you, would you just take their right hand? Just take their right hand for a moment. What did that take? That took touch. Did you know the power of human touch is miraculous? Every one of us are in need of human touch from the day we are born. There is something, you know, Peter didn't have to take him by the hand. He did did proclaim, walk. He could have just said, get up, man, you're well. But he took him by the hand. He encountered him. He interacted. He got involved. He gave of himself in that moment to become a lifter of another life. Just lifting another person up out of the position of difficulty and out of the place of human... Can you imagine that man who laid at the temple gate every day At three o'clock in the afternoon, money, 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 he cried, and no one touched him. We don't even know if those who carried him on his bed touched him. There is a power in touch. Touch lifts us. Touch emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, People need to be lifted up. The power of interaction. Now, the power of interaction. Notice that Peter and John had gone by this man many, many times and they had not touched him. Why today? Why today would they reach out and touch this man? Why today would they offer to lift him up? Because of the unfilling and indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. They now were willing and able to get involved in another man's life. Can you imagine that? They knew that man had been there. 
They knew that he had been there for years. They had passed him on a daily basis. And now they lift him. Peter says, walk, and reaches out to lift him up. We might say, well, I'd like to do that, but what if he doesn't get up? What's the worst thing that can happen? He can't get up. What's the best thing that happens? He can get up. What is that? That is a moment of interactive faith. My faith being transmitted to another. He said, walk, and then he touched him. I'll help you up. I'll lift you up. What we need to realize in life is that when we come into the lives of individuals, it's more than telling them what they need to do. It's helping them with what they need to do. It's getting involved with what they need to do. It is saying, I am here to help you, to assist you. I am willing to help you up. I was in a village in India, and we were praying with people, and a man was carried down a hillside by two or three other individuals. And uh, he's ha- he had difficulty walking. He couldn't walk. And a, a group of people in our group went over to pray for him, and I'm standing by our leader from India, Dr. Samuel Stevens, and he's observing. And he says, what is happening over there What is keeping that man from walking is not a physical ailment. It's an evil spirit. The people who were praying for him were praying that God would bless him, God would help him, that one day healing would come to him. But they weren't dealing with the evil spirit. And Dr. Stevens said to me, when they finish, we'll take care of that. They finished praying. Dr. Stevens walked over and I followed him. And he began to command the spirit that was upon this man to identify itself, as Scripture instructs us to do. He asked for several times for the spirit to identify itself, but it didn't. Finally, he said, well, I don't care who you are. Get out of here anyway. You know when you can take authority and the power of God when the Holy Spirit is active in your life. There is no other spirit more powerful than the Holy Spirit. And there is only one Holy Spirit. Immediately, that man reached out to the person standing beside him. The man took him by the hand and he stood up and he started walking back up the hill. Dr. Stevens spoke to him and said, Sir, what happened? And he turned around and said, in his dialect, Dr. Stevens told me later, he said, well, what do you think happened? The spirit was gone. The paralyzation in his body was gone because they had taken authority by the power of the Holy Spirit and lifted a man. Now, you may not do that physically. You may not ever be called upon to do that physically. But if you are, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of any evil spirit. The Holy Spirit is greater than any other spirit and has power and authority. Secondly, remember that you're lifting, you're engaging. Your hope is to lift one other person. But I want to say to you that in our culture, there are many ways in which people need to be lifted out of their dire straits. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally. They need people who will get involved. 
to be a lifter and lift one more soul to Jesus. It's an action of faith. Our faith responding to the Holy Spirit's prompting and leadership in our life. In the next verse, we read these words. Verse 8. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into, with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. Grab hold of this picture. He's been lame from birth. And now he leaps to his feet as Peter has his hands, his ankles, and his feet become whole. And he begins not only to walk, but he begins to jump. And he begins to praise God. What happened in that moment? That man was liberated. Liberated from his paralyzation. Liberated from his mat. Liberated from his, his position in life to be a beggar. He was liberated. Whenever you bring anybody to Jesus, whenever you introduce Jesus into their life and they receive the Savior of their lives, they receive the Redeemer of their lives, the Restorer of their lives, you have become a liberator for another person. Every time a person receives Jesus Christ, they are liberated from their sin. Their sin is forgiven. It's pushed away as far as the east is from the west, buried in the depths of the sea, never to be held against them again. Liberated from the power and dominion of sin over their life. Liberated from bondage, from the bondage of addiction, from the bondage of poor habits, of the bondage of fear, the bondage of anxiety, whatever it might be. In the power of Jesus' name, they are liberated liberated from affliction, liberated from shame, as we sang earlier this morning in the service. You and I have been called to be liberators by the power and the authority of Jesus. Liberty, liberty is what's been given to all men and all women at the cross of Jesus Christ. The power to be free from that which has enslaved, that which has held us down. Now note what this man does. He not only gets to his feet and walks, he not only jumps, he begins to praise God. It's amazing that when you are liberated from your past, when you're liberated from that which has held you down, there is a renewal in your soul. God liberates you to be what you were meant to be. And what were you meant to be? A vessel of the Holy Spirit. A vessel which God will use. A vessel which has been encountered by God. And now you know there is a God and He is real. Hallelujah. I want you to remember for a moment when you were liberated from sin, when you received Jesus Christ in your life and you were forgiven of your sins, when you were going through a hardship, a difficulty, and somehow by the matchless work of Jesus' name, you found your way through. Someone came and they loved you and they liberated you and they lifted you up. And now you're free. Free to be what God intended you to be. 
And I'm saying to you today that if you are here and you have not experienced the love of Jesus, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. How do I know that? Because He loves me. He loves me. And I've experienced His love. Jesus wants to lift you. Lift you and change you to a new level, a new experience. To be what you were created to be. A vessel full of the Holy Spirit representing, being an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ until He returns for us again. Amen? I want to be free to be what God wants me to be. Amen? I don't want to be what someone else wants me to be or what someone else thought I wanted, they wanted to be. I don't even want to be what I want to be or what I wanted to be. I want to be what God created me to be. A man who will praise God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, uses talents, time, and energy to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what you and I were created to be. So I encourage you today, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? Well, as I read to you in Luke eleven eleven. If we ask for the Holy Spirit, how much more, because of God's love, will He give us the Holy Spirit? First of all, when you were convicted of your sins, and you asked Jesus to forgive you, you asked Him to become your Savior, you know who convicted you? It was the Holy Spirit. According to the Word of God, found in John chapter 14, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world in regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the convicting work brings us to Jesus. Don't get upset about conviction. It doesn't mean condemnation. There is no condemnation. It means convincing. I have been convinced that Jesus died for me and that He rose again that I might have life more abundantly and eternally. Therefore... I have found freedom in Him. Be filled with the Spirit. Simply ask, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Come into my life. Jesus said this, The Holy Spirit will not only be with you, but will be in you. You can look at that in the book of John. The Holy Spirit will not only be with you. Some of us just want the Holy Spirit with us when we need Him. But how about having him in us where he is the governor of our life? He is leading us, prompting us, instructing us. Jesus said, when he is in you, you'll know the truth. You'll know everything I've come for. You'll understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is that revealer. And the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will only Speak of Jesus. He won't speak of himself. He'll speak of Jesus. You see, because the Holy Spirit is Jesus in the present. Jesus in the present. In and every one of our lives. So first of all, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then as you pray, on a regular basis, perhaps daily, I would hope, pray that God will touch your eyes, that you 
would see what he sees. Don't just settle for the picture of what the situation looks like. Ask Jesus to help you see what he sees in another individual, in another situation. Begin to look at life differently through the lens of Jesus himself. And then ask him to help you love another individual by offering them fellowship, fellowship, friendship, encountering other individuals. Lord, who do you want in my life? And who do you want me to be in someone else's life? We're not here just to get. We're here to give, to be givers. And then pray that God will help you, help you to lift by encouraging another individual. How encouraging must have been in that moment after Peter said walk that the man Peter took him by the hand and began to lift him up. How encouraging. You know what encouragement is? The scripture says in Hebrews, when we come together, that we are to instill courage in one another. Instill courage in one another. You know what discouragement is? It's the lack of courage. So you and I have the opportunity to instill courage by becoming involved, by loving, by caring, by helping someone else know there's someone there for them. Lord, help me to be an encourager. And then pray that God will use you to liberate one more soul for Jesus Christ by leading them into His presence, by telling Him of this goodness, by demonstrating in your own life the change that Jesus has made. That's the, that's the ministry that we are called to. Pray every day that you will be faithful to that ministry. Quite often as we look at this ministry, we might often think, you know, I'd like to bring one more person to Jesus. But there seems to be so many obstacles sometimes, especially about the people we care for. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I have, have the insight. I, I don't know if I have the courage. I, I don't know. And we have a lot of things that intimidate us. Years ago, when we were starting New Covenant Church, I had a dream one night. In that dream, Jesus came to me in the dream and he handed me a guitar. And he said, play the guitar. I responded to Jesus by saying, I don't know how to play the guitar. I've never played a guitar. I've not been taught anything about a guitar. Play, a guitar. play the guitar, he said. I said, I can't play the guitar. So I put my hands on the strings and I tried playing and it was horrible. It was horrible. And I said to Jesus in the dream, See, I can't play. Jesus walked around behind me. He put his arms around me on my arms, and he said, Play the guitar. I put my hands on the guitar, and melodious music began to come from the guitar. And I woke up. 
I shared that dream with my wife. I said, that's a strange dream. I said, I don't think he's calling me to play the guitar. She didn't say anything. Three or four days later, she came to me and she said, would you like to know what your dream meant? I said, yeah, that'd be great. She said, you know how you have felt inadequate about starting a new church? That you really felt it was beyond your ability? I said, yeah. She said, it's not about you. It's about him. And if he's called you to do it, he will empower you to do it. My wife, being the marvelous wife that she is, went out and bought this huge picture of a Gibson guitar. She had it matted and framed, and up in the left-hand corner, a small sheet of music that was the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi that says, let me be an instrument. Let me be an instrument. You see, that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. I'm just an instrument. And whatever kind of music you want to play through me, God, that's okay. I don't care. I just want to be the instrument. However, so Lord, use me. So in these few moments, as we pray together, I want you to look at the words of that prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. And know that if you are filled with the Spirit, it will enable you to bring one more soul to Jesus. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.